every time I record one of these, it's like I've never used a microphone setup <laughs> ever before. Side note, I've been on this chai phase these last week since getting back. Uh, but with that, uh, I guess let's jump into it. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, Adrian Kogiran here for the Transparency Podcast. And if I was a professional and knew what I was doing, I would tell you the episode. But the reality is I have zero clue what episode <laughs> I'm on this episode. Uh, I want to say we're <laughs> over the double digits. Um, that's how long it's been <laughs> since uh, I have done a podcast or an episode of uh, Transparency. Go figure. So this is whatever episode uh, it ends up being <laughs> once I figure out and upload this as I scramble to log into my Anchor account. Um, yeah, it is 8 p.m. January 31st, end of January. So the first month of 2023 is in the books um, by the time this comes out at least. This is episode... Okay, here we go. I have... I am a professional. I have everything pulled up. It is episode 14. Wow, 14. Um, yeah, quite some time. Uh, I think literally the last episode I did uh, was surrounding around like where we were in the pandemic, um, kind of like in the middle of it. Uh, and, and obviously, much different state in the world. Thus, the trip I recently took, talk about a transition, um, back home to Japan. And I think it's a, a little bit of what, or a bulk of this podcast, I guess, uh, I want to talk about was... My and in me coming back from that trip, spent about just under two weeks. It was like a week and some change, uh, in Japan. Um, it was a much needed trip. It was a long overdue trip. For those of you who don't know, I was born and raised in Japan. Um, spent a majority of my life there, nearly two decades before moving to the states in 2016 san francisco so technically i had been to the states prior for like a year uh when my dad was stationed in pendleton um but um outside of that i have predominantly lived in asia and in japan specifically uh and i hadn't been back since 2018 give or take it it was technically like three and a half going on four years uh damn near since i'd been back home which is like wild to say like it's it was already crazy in the fact that during the pandemic obviously like the lockdown and and inability to travel um but furthermore like my family and it's kind of like the lifestyle i grew up in with my dad being in the u.s navy like my family was always for the most part scattered minus like when i was like really young is is when i can recall like my family all being together and i mean that because like we bounced around a lot um, eventually, like by the time I already got to middle school, like my sisters were old enough where they were starting to go to obviously like college. And then by the time I got to like high school, the other sister was going to college. Like it was always just like a shift where some of them were in the States or, and I was back in Japan or, or vice versa. Um, and then during the pandemic, my parents not being able to travel because of the lockdown and, and not being able to see them, uh, for quite a bit until they were able to finally visit the States, um, towards the, I hesitate to say like the tail end of the pandemic. Cause like, um, I think we're more like in this post-pandemic phase, but yeah, uh, thankfully I did get to see them in Chicago, but this was the first time seeing them back home and visiting home, uh, my family there, my friends there, uh, since 2018. So long, long overdue. Uh, the trip itinerary for the most part was 
doing about three days in Tokyo, I think is what we ended up doing total. Um, and then going to Okinawa where my uh, family was at and, and where I was born and raised at. Uh, I always have to fly through Tokyo. There's like no direct flight to Okinawa. So um, it's always like a stop into Tokyo. And I try to take that advantage to like go and see mainland. You see, growing up, Okinawa, if you don't know geographically or never heard of it, it's a very small island off the southern coast of Japan. It makes up the Ryukyu Islands. And um, it's, it's it's very like island living, right? Like <laughs> to a T. It's, it's very like slow paced, much different kind of Hawaii vibes. Uh, in that it's it's just not mainland Japan with like the city and, and the hustle and bustle um, and the vibes that are like Tokyo and, and, and Osaka and all these other places. Uh, and in growing up, when I talk about like, growing up in Japan, like I always grew up in Okinawa, Japan, and Iwakuni, Japan. Um, not so much like the city life. And it wasn't really even until like high school that I even started flying and visiting mainland with friends. Um, but having and getting the opportunity to experience as an adult uh is obviously like much more organized not to mention you have much more resources at your disposal and whatnot but i do have like a soft spot for tokyo because I, I do remember like the very first trip i did with like friends to tokyo um was like when i really started coming into my own business is doing well I, I was i was definitely still in high school i just graduated even um and like i had my you know like city experience with just friends going out having a good time um, getting to shop and like do things on my own and I remember like the first shopping spree I did in Tokyo uh, back then was um, I would buy a luxury like tie like uh, all, all the luxury stores which were like so baffling to me um, like, how, like how big they were how nice they were and fancy they were in Tokyo um, I would buy a luxury tie at each of them that I went to so I went to like Burberry I went to Louis Vuitton and like the cheapest yet at the same time like affordable thing I could get were these like ties and, and and back then I was very into like suits and, and, and dressing up um so these luxury ties were like the mementos I would take when I f would go there and, and that was like one of my first trips I remember coming back with a couple ties and um it's something that stuck with me and I, and I always just like enjoyed visiting mainland so this time around uh the aspect here was that obviously I was going to spend a couple days go see and do all the touristy stuff since it's been so long since I've been back to Japan. But furthermore, I was traveling with my partner who has never ever been to Japan and, and they're in not a lot of travel internationally. Um, so this is like only your second time flying internationally. So, you know, getting to show her the experience and, and getting to see somebody else visit and see Japan, which is like one of my favorite experiences just to see the quality of life. I'm very much like that person here in the States where it's like, uh, I compare a lot of stuff to where I came from, as you naturally do, right? The food, the culture, so on and so forth. Like, to a T, like, I just am one of those people who think things are better in Japan as a bias. Um, but that being said, and, and, and you know, it's obviously sometimes in a joking manner, but that being said, it, it was great to have her see and experience it for the first time. Um, there and also I got to see and visit my or as not to, sorry I got to meet up with my sister who also met us in Tokyo we basically cor uh, corresponded our trip so that we would both land in Tokyo at the same time we'd all get to stay together my sister hadn't really you know despite her being older than me and also living in Japan she hadn't never really got the mainland Japan experience I'd been the only one who's really been around Tokyo so got to show them both around and then uh you know hit up all the kind of major tourist attractions Shibuya uh, we went to Shinjuku, we went to Akihabara. So we went to like a lot of those touristy spots, a lot to cram in three days. And I, and I think we actually got a lot done. Um, and it was just a really great way to kind of 
a flash experience like Japan, right? Like after three and a half years, just kind of take it all in. Um, as always, I always wish to spend, and I wish I could have spent more time in Japan as a whole, but I think next time around, I'll definitely want to spend more time in Tokyo and get a little bit more outside of like, the traditional sites and, and kind of visit more up north and in different places. Um, I'm already planning like my trip back sooner than later uh, after coming back. Um, but the second leg of the trip was going to Okinawa, Japan, which is like a less than about a three-hour flight uh, to go visit my family. And this trip around was like very different for me because it was like visiting home home. Like Okinawa is what I have always identified as home, um, obviously overarching like Japan, but like Okinawa is like legitimately <laughs> where I was born and, and spent a lot of my youth growing up so it's most fond to me obviously um it's it's a little different this time around like the last time i had gone and traditionally when i would go back ever since moving to the states in 2016 um i would try to go back once a year whether it was summer or winter i would always try to make a trip out because it lined up with my friends being in college like when they would go back to visit their families so like that summer and winter time those breaks um usually be the time like a lot of people come back visit you just get to see a lot of people and, 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 you know, it was always just like great vibes. Cause like, you know, everybody was coming back and there's always like things going on. Um, obviously since the pandemic in the last three and a half years, a lot of things have changed. A lot of my friends have moved on. They've moved to different places. They've, they've, they've been scattered. Um, their families have moved out of Japan, which is obviously another correlating factor. Cause if their families aren't there, they're not necessarily like going back to visit as often. Um, so this time going back, like, uh, thankfully I still had some, some, you know, core group of friends and people I grew up with still there and I got to see them, which was nice. Uh, unfortunately timing, like just didn't line up cause like they got sick as it's flu season was rolling around when I got there, but I got in turn to spend a lot of time with my family, which is obviously very important and like uninterrupted time with just that week in Okinawa, which was really, really nice. And it simultaneously passed by quickly and felt slowly at all at the same time. Uh, there, there's something I've always said when it comes to visiting Japan and that it's it's always interesting and different to me visiting Japan, right? Like, I have to say I'm visiting home. Um, I'm not, like, going back home, if, if, if that makes sense, right? Um, I've always said the hardest decision I've ever had to make was leaving home, was leaving Japan. Like, I left at a time when... Um, some of my friends, a good portion of my friends that had like made a decision to go to, obviously a lot of them went to college and didn't did the whole thing, but some of them stuck around. Like a lot of my core friend group, even if they attended college, they did it like locally or they took advantage of like, you know, the military's offerings for, um, college and, and whatnot. Um, and it was at a time where like business wise and career wise, all time high, like individually, my businesses were all doing really well. But I had felt, to a degree, one, burnt out, and I think, two, um, just kind of, like, eager to know what was next. And I, and I just knew that, like, at that point in my life, at that point in my career, at that point personally, so many different things were going on that, like, I had felt like I had reached my potential, and if I'd stuck around, I would get by. I would do really well in all aspects, but, like, I wouldn't get to that next here whatever that was for me right like that those experiences that next level whatever it is I wanted to like kind of get to professionally personally like I wasn't going to do it if I just stuck around and, and, and kind of like stayed in this bubble of comfort 
right? Um, and and the, the, when I talk about how hard that decision was to leave, I had talked about it to a lot of my close friends for a lot, how like I was contemplating just moving to the States. Um, and it, for me, it was different because like I had no reason to, right? Like a lot of my friends who had left, they only had to leave because like they had to go to college. They had to do, you know, the traditional route and, and so on and so forth. Like my job allowed me to stay anywhere. And, and why wouldn't you, like if you have a job that's doing well, you're self-employed, have a business, why would you choose to leave the place that you like love and, and love everything about it right i, I love the people there i love the culture there i loved the food there i loved everything about my lifestyle there like i remember when i had graduated high school knowing that i was going full-time into like entrepreneurship and whatnot in my businesses thinking like i never have to like work on anybody's schedule again like i vividly remember those feelings and, and like there's no question I, I I still to this day feel most at peace when I'm back home in Japan. Like, um, there is no place I feel more at ease, um, more, like, um, side myself in a good way, right? Like, just, like, comfortable with myself and, and, and whatnot. But just at that very point in my life, like I had mentioned, like, I just knew I uh, that level of comfort was going to keep me there. And if I didn't do anything about it, like, that's where I would end up. So <laughs> coming back home, visiting home, it, it was very much like a different lens. It, it had been a lot. And it's one of those things where like you go to a place that you knew so well and it was the same in its nature, but also in, in many different ways, different. A lot of development had happened in three and a half years. Um, Okinawa has, uh, they developed a lot. Obviously there's places that were impacted by the pandemic without question. Like that was sad to see some places gone, some things gone, some of my favorite restaurants and, and whatnot, um, businesses. But it was also like, you got to see the, the new generation and the new like places that people, when I was a kid, were going to like make memories and associate with like their, you know, high school memories and, and so on and so forth. Um, it made me appreciative in the way that like I was really thankful for everything that made me and, and how that place crafted me. Like there, there's no more of a humbling experience to go back home, to even go back to the room where like I use as, uh, it was initially my bedroom and then eventually turned into my home office when my sister had gone to college. Like to see that and to see how far I'd gone. Like I was, I was talking to my, um, my dad about it. Like just to think like, man, like it's crazy, right? Like it, it all kind of started here, right? Um, very much like a, um, yeah, it, it's, it's a humbling experience. I don't really know what more to put it. I, I think the funny thing, if anything, even more humbling is that my office had been turned into like my parents' storage room <laughs> since I had moved out. It was just like, filled with stuff. Like I couldn't even stay in it because it was so filled with the random crap that they gathered. Um, but I think that, that being said, like it, it was good just to kind of be back. It was good just to relax. I try to make a, like a conscious effort this time around to not concentrate too much on work and take a step away from the business and, and everything and rely on the team and the people I left in place to kind of get the job done. And while I like for sure checked in here and there, uh, I'd say I did a good job within reason for, for my standards of like not getting too back into the weeds of work and everything. And even like on the content creation side, while I did vlog, I have some vlogs coming out on the YouTube channel and whatnot. Um, I'm obviously making this podcast now. Um, there were a lot of moments and a lot of times where I just kind of enjoyed myself and like, and I didn't worry too much about 
like I said, the work aspect or the creative aspect, like while I wanted to document moments and I, I think I did an okay job of that, like I also just want to enjoy a lot of the time with my family and friends and, you know, that in itself I feel, um, or like to think went pretty well. Um, in my time there in Japan as a whole, as a whole, I like every time I visit and, and, and especially now because it had been so long, like you're, you really appreciate the stuff that you missed and, and the stuff that was like familiar to you. Um, there's always like a version of me that wants to stay behind, right? Like in all honesty. Um, but this time around, it's also just like, it's a mix of like, I am super grateful for everything that is there and everything that made me and, and, and brought me to where I'm at today. Uh, and in turn, like while I love everything there and there's like a lot of stuff that I just miss so much and I wish I could just stay there and, and, and you know, have that lifestyle again. I, I'm also grateful for the opportunities that like in turn the States afforded me and like moving to California. Um, it was funny because growing up like in high school, a lot of my friend group or a lot of people I just knew, like everybody hated there's a lot of them who went to the States for school and then moved back or, or, you know, even in my close friend group, I had a lot of people who just kind of tried the States out or tried out a specific state. And then they came back cause they're like, yeah, like now it wasn't for me type thing. And it's so often like a lot of people would just talk about how much they love Japan and like how, and, like how they loved home and like hated the state or the States and, and, and so on and so forth. So you kind of like by bias, like have this image in your head, but at the same time, like, in moving here and as hard as it was and as hard as it was to adjust to the culture, not having like having to kind of restart in terms of like a social circle and whatnot and, and find new friends. Um, I'm very happy for all the opportunities moving to a place like California and, and in turn San Francisco afforded me. Like not just from like the, yes, the career perspective, it was, it was the right choice. Obviously like it really did traject there, but like overall as a person, I think I came out better because of it. And I, genuinely think like those opportunities just wouldn't be possible um if i didn't move out here to the states so like i i do and i am proud of like the fact that i didn't stay behind um not that there's anything wrong with that like i, I think that's that's like to each their own and everybody kind of has like their goals and, and what they find ideal in life it's just like in being back there it was great to visit it was great to see it's great to take time off and, and visit there but like it was like nostalgia is like that, like the worst thing right in the world because it like convinces you that things were better than they were in a sense. And, and sometimes they are and sometimes they're not, right? Like it's, it's very much the rose uh, colored tinted lens, right? Uh, whatever they say. Because like, for example, like I, I'm into retro video games and collecting, which I'll talk a little bit about in a second for my trip. But uh, it's great to do that. And, and from a collector's aspect, I love it. But like, it's funny because you play these old games that you were so fond of and you're like, wow, like this looks like crap, right? Like obviously, cause you compare it to like what's actually out there now. Um, so in nature, like those, those memories made me, that place made me, but I, I am happy of like where I ended up and, and where I'm potentially going. Um, and it's always nice to be back. And there's oftentimes where I wish I could take aspects of that life with me. Um, especially the people and, and, and those people who really, um, I only got to see like my friends literally for like one night while I was out there. But like even that one night was just like so much for me. Um, like I, I really felt like just full of emotions just visiting and, and having a night out with my friends, going to karaoke, going to dinner like we used to do when we were younger. Um, because like those are just, it's just like we're living in a way like the glory days at the same time, like we're all older. We all have new goals and, and things in mind. So a shout out to everybody back home. Um, 
not that a lot of them <laughs> may hear this, uh, but there's a, uh, yeah, even if it was one night that I got to like see everybody um, and, and, and hopefully I get to get back sooner, it, it was uh, time well spent, right? Um, outside of that, I think in, in, in terms of the trip, just to kind of <laughs> recap some other memories and moments, um, now that I'm back, some of my favorite parts of the trip, which like a lot of people ask me, like I think it's like the typical question anytime you go traveling, especially international, like what's your favorite food? What'd you do? Those, those type of questions. Um, food in, in general to me is just like, is it what I keep on telling people? Like, is just higher? I don't know if it's a standard or quality or, or what have you, but just like, um, you like some of my favorite meals were like the convenience store food, right? Like the family marts, the Lawson's, the seven 11s of the world. Um, if you've ever been to Asia and had the opportunity to try their convenience store food, it's just like, it's next level in comparison to like what you consider convenience store gas station food, like here, uh, for example, in America. Um, obviously I did, I did have some like places that, that obviously stuck out. Um, there's, there's a place that I had picked for my partner. Her birthday also happened to pass while we were, or happened while we were in Okinawa, um, picked a restaurant randomly that I'd found online. That was like a higher end, like Japanese barbecue spot that, um, was just, like top tier <laughs> and uh it's funny because the name escapes me right now but um yeah th- this place was just so good and, and, and like i said like the sushi and the quality of food in general um through all the places we went while we were in um, tokyo for example we went to like sushi in ginza and, and like just that obviously like the japanese food without saying is just on another um plane of quality and, and look i've had the fortunate opportunity to be in a city like san francisco that has a very popular food culture i think we have like the, the city with the most michelin stars for example and and i've had the again great advantage and or sorry advantage <laughs> great um uh, opportunity to have like tried a lot of these places out here and then like the great great food quality don't get me wrong it's not like you can't get great food in the states that the thing about the states is it's in a melting pot and i think that's the best thing about it is that you get so many different types of food um and there's no question a lot of great places to eat all around um it's just to me like this the standard of like just even like the convenience store small side stores small street vendors like the what would typically be considered like the cheap food is just, it was just like bar none there. Like it's just so good. Like the consistency above all, every place I ate was just top tier. Um, if anything, I think there's like one place that we went to, which is like Zawo. I believe it's the, the place is called. It's a very like tourist trap. It's um, Zawo fishing. It's just like a fishing restaurant in which you go and you catch what you eat, like literally, or you eat what you catch, I should say. Um, you pay, you can get these little fishing rods and catch different types of fish and prawn and all sorts of different seafood and then you get to choose how to cook it so you can like cook it in suit you can have them make it in sushi style you can have it make it in sashimi you can have it um like deep fried or batayaki which is like buttered fish quite literally um and like that was a cool experience itself like it's like a very touristy thing it's it's like a well-known thing uh but it was a cool experience the the food wasn't like mind-blowing but you go for something like that very much so for the experience outside of that like just again ton of places and, and and everything from this the cheap end to the high end was just top tier uh when it came to food shopping was another thing that i tend to frequently do when i travel and then like to do especially when traveling internationally and take advantage of some of that did a lot of that i left with two suitcases and i think i came back with four 
not to mention I have two boxes being shipped to me from my parents' place. That's the amount of like random stuff I gathered, whether it was like clothes, I did a lot of clothes shopping, um, did some more high-end luxury shopping in areas like Ginza. Um, I did a ton of retro game shopping, as I just alluded to earlier, uh, in which I went to um, multiple like secondhand stores throughout Tokyo and Okinawa. Um, because like back when I lived there, even though I was into technology and that quite literally was my job, I wasn't really into like retro gaming specifically. Um, I gamed and I was a gamer quote unquote, but I was never really into like collecting and, and old consoles and appreciation for that stuff. I think it's only like as I gotten older and, and nostalgia has become more of like a wave of marketing and everything that is old is new again. Um, I've like, gained appreciation for collecting that stuff. So having gone back to Japan, which is a place that manufactured a lot of those old retro games and consoles, um, got to take advantage of like buying stuff. And and this is like what I talk about when it's like seeing stuff in a different lens again, because I went to all these stores that I used to go to when I was younger and lived there. But like, it's funny because like you just pass all these things and you never thought much about them, right? Like I, I, I lived there for over 20 plus years and I had gone to these stores hundreds, if not, you know, thousands of times never just like thought much about that right it's because like again interest peak at different times in your life and then just at the time like i wasn't really interested in those things but it's like now i go back and i was in like you know gaming retro game heaven to go to a lot of these stores so i came back with a lot of stuff random video consoles um some projects i brought some like broken hardware that i just want to like take back here to fix or use as display items um yeah got some got some good pickups got a couple suits from some of my old favorite suit stores um so got those fitted and tailored out there um yeah so nice little shopping experience too came back with a lot of different mementos and speaking of mementos one of the big pieces that i came back with and and i want to talk a little bit about was um i got one of my grail watches um a watch that i had been in the market for for quite a while and the thing is it's like it's one of those things where like time place just never really pulling the trigger um, I, I've, I've been into watches, timepieces, whatever you want to call them, like for quite some time now, um, right around when I was graduating high school, I really kind of got into it because my dad was always into it growing up, never really appreciated nice things in particular, like luxury things, especially when I was younger. Like I was very much like a functionality type of person and, and, and not necessarily like form in the sense that like, it was like trends of what I was into, right? Like when I was in high school, I was a skater, all my friends skated all I cared about brand wise was like the skatewear brands and the skate stuff, right. And the best skate stuff I can get. And when it came to like luxury goods and clothing, like it just wasn't my style. Right. And then it's funny cause I grew up and I got into suits and menswear and like, then I won the best of that stuff and, and, and so on and so on as you do. And as you grow older and then your, your tastes change. Um, but yeah, the, the funny thing is that one of the things I really got into was watches, like I said, because of my dad, um, and slowly collected and have had the opportunity to collect my own pieces over time over these last couple of years. And one watch in particular, the Omega or Omega Speedmaster is like a quintessential watch. If you ask like a lot of watch collectors or anybody who's into watches at any level, like a lot of people know the Speedmaster or as they aptly name it or call it the moon watch. Cause it's like the watch that went, uh, with the, uh, went to the moon on, on the Apollo mission uh, uh alongside like it was the first nasa certified watch if i'm not mistaken right so it went to the moon very iconic and it has like a historic background behind it despite it being like a watch meant for i believe like racers if i'm not mas- meant, uh mistaken like a chronograph designed for that uh but yeah it, it's like an iconic watch a lot of people would say it's essential to the collection and 
it is a watch that unlike brands like Rolex and all these other well-known like luxury brands is an obtainable watch like you can walk into a store and buy it if they have it in stock which they usually do if they're like a high-end retailer uh, which is something to be said it sounds crazy you have the money for something you want you can go and buy it but if you know anything about the watch world it is very much so not <laughs> that on the uh, not not just on the high-end brand but like on, on specific brands i guess i should say like in particular rolex which most people know some people don't know that like i was explaining this to my mom like if you walk into a rolex dealer for most places and you have like literal cash in hand uh oftentimes you can't even get the piece that you may want or if they even have it at all on stock uh it's a very like system-based approach where it's like the more you buy the more rep and cred you have with these these sellers and as they call them your ad's or your authorized dealers um and then at that point's a waiting game like i, I uh, i've dabbled in this both in the in the first-hand market and the second-hand market um is where i got a lot of my collection pieces and, and it's uh, definitely second-hand market being like used right so not directly from a dealer but when it comes to working with dealers it, it's very much like a this is what i'm looking for you can come in and mention the model and depending on the market if they even have it sometimes it's a situation of like is there how many people are in front of you how many other people want that model uh where are you on the waiting list and then if that opportunity comes around they'll give you a call and you can go and buy it um sometimes it can be months even years in certain cases um sometimes it's like you have to buy something else to kind of work your way up so like they don't have this model but they have these models and if you buy that it kind of it's like it's a very flawed system <laughs> at a base level of like how basic <laughs> capitalism you you have a product i have the money i should be able to get it but it, it i understand the marketing tactics and exclusivity appeal behind it uh that's why they're so successful unfortunately uh, but yeah anyways tangent there about the watch world omega going back to the main topic here uh is a watch brand that uh yeah it, more obtainable uh and i would dare say like in some cases more affordable for some some cases the speedmaster in particular has come out in various models uh just a watch I, I've, I've never pulled the trigger on but always wanted and in japan i knew going in i was gonna try to get a couple of like pieces and things that i really wanted to get and, and take advantage of one being back home and, and i love to buy things like with especially watches in particular i love for them to have like a story a time and place uh, a goal or something behind it and for me it was me celebrating coming back home after three and a half years um i was traveling back with a rolex that i was actually going to give to my dad um so that he had a a, a rolex because he had been looking uh to get a new watch in, in particular he wanted a rolex so i wanted to bring back a watch for him um i also wanted to get myself a new watch uh and the hunt was for the speedmaster and i had gone to multiple various stores in my time there had seen a couple of them um uh, was kind of just price shopping looking at the secondhand market meaning used looking at the brand new market ultimately i settled it like literally in the last couple of days on a store in, in one of the newer malls that had a uh seamaster or sorry speedmaster specifically um and yeah i am very happy with my purchase i'm actually wearing it right now uh as i record this and um you know it, it's just one of those things like anything whether it's you're into watches or, or cars or whatever it is like it, it's a sense of pride right in, in wearing it um knowing that story knowing the how long it took me to get this <laughs> and finally pull the trigger on it but also just like uh happy in the fact that like i can travel back home i have the opportunity just to like look for something i've always wanted and, and just get it like that's uh 
it's shown me how long in the journey it's been, right? So finally got one of these grail watches. Uh, very, very happy about my Speedmaster. It's not a Speedmaster Professional for those who are curious. It's um, it's a reduced version, but uh, yeah, it's perfect. It's it's the typical classic black dial. Um, I had a choice between like the Panda dial, there's a Navy dial and an all white dial. Um, and I contemplated a while on which one I wanted, but ultimately I just went for the classic all black look. So very, very happy about that. Um, outside of that, I am now back home. I'm now back in San Francisco. I got back technically last week. Um, so I, I've been here kind of recharging my batteries. The trip was a good way to kind of kick off the new year and like really just, you know, take a break and, and then really start the year strong. Um, 2023, um, a lot of things happen. Obviously new year's new year, uh, and, and time has passed, uh, since the last episode, but um also turned 28 wild turned 28 on january 4th uh two years short of my dirty 30 uh my 20s are coming to a close and and with that this 2023 year is kicking off there's a lot of like mixed emotions there i I think one is um to briefly touch on business like kicking off this 2023 year is an exciting one because uh we had just ended december with a um, end of year trip for our company network right we flew all of our employees and some plus ones out to um, Vegas and had um, an end of year trip to really celebrate our growth. We tripled in growth last year. We uh, basically tripled the team size in a matter of a year, and our business has grown tremendously as a result and in, in hand in hand with that. Um, and we're doing really, really well. And I and I think the difference going into twenty twenty three. We started Network Right in twenty eighteen. Uh, I, alongside with my um, co-founders and, and business partners, um, it was it was always meant to be a lifestyle business when me and the original um, co-founder had had come up with the idea. And then what I mean by lifestyle business is kind of like similar to all my other business I had gone gone up to this point in the sense that like a lifestyle business is meant to maintain the lifestyle that you want, right? Um, and it can do really well. You can make a lot of money and just kind of do that. And, and usually lifestyle businesses are lean maybe they're solo shops or, or you like outsource and freelance like here at network right we're, we're trying to consciously now really build like a company and what i mean by that is like build it out right like we're a 20 per near 20 person team we're hiring multiple roles we're trying to um expand our presence not just in, in california but we have clientele in new york and on the east coast and we're trying to expand an office out there like we're really trying to scale this thing to be bigger than we had ever imagined and i, and I think sometimes like that's in my opinion, where a lot of the great ideas and, and businesses come from, where you don't really ever see it coming in the first place, right? Like when I started on YouTube, it was just a hobby that turned into a passion. And while, yes, this was started as a legitimate company in the very beginning in 2018, I would have never imagined like the lengths that we were taking it to and still have planned uh, in the pipeline. In 2023, despite our triple growth last year, we, we planned to build off of that even more this year and and we're doing a lot of crazy things this year so i'm really excited i, I just got back from like touring office spaces today with the team because we're um trying to get our, our first official like big new office space here in san francisco um for so long even having moved here in 2016 i have looked at a lot of the companies and startups and businesses from huge you know, Goliaths like Amazon and Facebook and Google and Netflix and Apple to some of the well-known startups like Pinterest and Instagram and, you know, you name it. A lot of them are out here. 
to now being one of those companies who has a presence here, yeah, no matter how small the footprint, right? Um, and, and that's exciting. Like that, in a way, is just very like, you know, 11-year-old me who started all this on YouTube would have never imagined type thing. So work and business is, is doing really well. Uh, I've come back with a renewed sense of like vigor and, and hustle and grind and grit that I want to get into this year to really kick things off strong. Uh, and I, and I think my view, it's funny and I use the word hustle, but like my view on hustle culture at the age of 28 is very different than it was at the age of like 13, 14, 15, 16. I was obsessed with that like notion in nature and like now having being in the middle of it, in the thick of it and, and maintaining this business alongside other ventures. Um, it's funny cause I was looking at my calendar the other day. I used to like, when I was starting, um, and really like starting YouTube and digital dojos and all my online stuff. Um, when I was developing my online schedule for like the podcast network that I wanted to start, like over, this is damn near over 10 years ago before podcasting was like as huge as it was now. I like to think <laughs> I was a pioneer in that aspect. Um, I wanted to do like a podcast network. So essentially a website filled with like different shows. I had shows like Appetizer, which was like a review of a handful of like what I found cool in the app store that week in my top apps and then i had shows where i was just doing it's called tech world where i quite literally did the weekly recap of tech news and the idea was to have a different show for at least five days of the week so literally like monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday and i would break it up a little bit on the weekends to record an episode of a different show every week i'd have different guest hosts on and and some of them i just ran solo um that was like my overarching goal and i remember making the schedule and like my idea of productivity and like being uh like successful was having my calendar booked up. Like I remember using my little planner back then and then thinking like, oh, the more this is full, like the more productive and the more successful I am and like the better I am to society, uh, which reality is not the case and probably ultimately led to like the, the burnout and the end of it. But um, yeah, my view of hustle culture is like very different <laughs> nowadays at 28. Um, while I am reinvigorated and there's a lot more I want to do, I am, I've come off that like, okay, let the foot off the gas pedal phase for a little bit just to kind of realign and, and really determine. I, I think what, if anything, my later 20s have taught me is to like really hone in and think more methodically about where I want to be um, in life and my goals financially, personally, professionally, and then really kind of tweaking where I put the gas pedal down in certain areas, right? Like conserving my energy and then I'm focused now on the longevity. Like, like that's what success is to me. It's not just how good I'm doing, but how long I can be doing not just good, but great. That's what's most important to me, right? Um, and that's the game I'm playing, right? I, I've been doing this shit now for, um, I'm 28 now, I started at 11, right? Like that's, that's to give you a frame of reference. I started YouTube in 2006. It's 2023. So I've, I've had time to learn a lot. I've time to adapt over time. And I think now at this point in my age and in my life, which is still very young, mind you, like I talk about it, like it's, it's twilight, but no, it's, it's very much just getting started phase. And I think that's what I've, I'm excited about. I, I had this thing in like, God, if you can even call it, not in, what is it, a quarter life crisis, like in my mid twenties, because at a younger age, I was so obsessed about like being in specific places at specific times. And I mean that like from an overarching perspective in the sense that like 20, I got to hit a million. Okay. You did that. You got to do this. 25 uh wanted a private jet like that was legitimately one of my goals uh, at this point i've only flown in a couple but <laughs> definitely don't own one and nowhere close to doing that but you know 
a kid can dream, right? Um, and I and I think it's important to set those stuff, right? Like I, I think you you gotta set certain stuff out there to kind of put it in 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 the frame of mind and and try to design so that it's in reach, right? Um, as I often say, without the goal, you can't score to begin with, right? Um, but I was obsessed with like I have this much time to do this, and like this crippling notion of time, 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 especially because I started so young, like. I was always known as a kid who got started really young and, and in my youth that was like my advantage like oh he's like a 11 year old doing this he's like a 13 year old running a business or this or that or the other and then you get to like 16 17 18 and then you're an adult right <laughs> then you're like 20 21 and it's just like yeah you're you're doing what a lot of people in san francisco are doing right you're you're like everybody else and that was like uh, a culture shock to me right like that was very much like okay now you really got to step it up and, and when you see the caliber of things people are doing around you in, in environments like this and in people you know uh, ipoing or, or starting companies that are now worth billions like it kind of puts things in perspective right <laughs> it kind of humbles you a little bit and at the same time motivates you to do to do even better so i think uh, with my two years left to 30 that's very much the state i'm in um i still like to set little micro like time based goals age based goals whatever you want to call them i i don't obsess about them as much and i'm not as like gung-ho but i do like set these like internal things i keep to myself where it's like okay i want to do this by that 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 time frame right um and then i try to hold myself accountable to kind of push myself but at the same time i don't stress too much about it rather i just think about more so like what are the smaller things i can do that lead up to the bigger things what are the things i can like you know really conquer that improve the overall situation uh and that, that leads me to 2023 i i don't do and I've, I've been like vocal about this in the past like I, I i don't do necessarily like a form of like new year resolution i'm very much like a person who i think you should just always have goals and you shouldn't let a calendar nowadays nowadays coming off that whole conversation i do think like generally you shouldn't have a calendar dictate when you do something but in the big but here is i understand the concept like i understand it's just easier for some people to track things in a new year or a new month or whatever, right? Like it feels better to start something on the first than it does like on the 17th for whatever reason, right? But at the end of the day, the sentiment stays the same that if you want to change anything personally, professionally, your fitness goals, your financial goals, like it, it just, just start. That's, that's the, that's the underlying idea. That's always important. You just got to start, right? Um, not to go too much on a tangent. I, I saw something the other day on Twitter that I was going to do like a whole video on about like equipment you need to be like a content creator and how you should avoid usb microphones and, and this is why these suck and they're trash <laughs> okay it wasn't exactly in that tone but it was a sentiment i understand what the person who was tweeting this not to bash him was like trying to get at they were trying to get at the idea like you should invest in high-end equipment and if you're starting content creation to make a living then you should really buy these like 200 300 mics look as someone who came from content creation and, and started with dirt cheap nothing a 20 dollars webcam I can attest to you and having done this now for nearly 20 years, the hardest and yet most simplest thing you can do is get started. Whether you have a dog shit microphone or you have a phone that you can use to record your audio or you have a phone that you can use to record your video, uh, a webcam, just start. Don't worry about like the high-end investments and the best-end equipment because at that stage, it's more important just to get going and then upgrade whenever you can and wherever it makes sense when it gets to that point. And I use that to, again, segue into talking about if there's anything I have, I like to theme my years rather than like a resolution because I always have like goals in general. Um, but I do like to set themes for the year. So whether it's like 
this is the year like I really focus on fitness in all aspects where I focus on my investments and, and really dedicating a lot of like time and stuff to that. And, and I try to set like overarching themes that are usually are much more broad than that. Like those are very niche themes. But uh, for example, this year to me is like the year of upgrades in the sense that um, uh, somebody recently <laughs> sent, um, some, sent a message to me about like how it, it alludes to gifts. So like there's two messages that always stick with me. It was a birthday gift I got a long time ago from a close friend of mine who I just recently saw in Japan who's, who had a birthday card with a penny taped in it. And he said, I didn't know what to get the man who had everything. Uh, and, I, and I always found that as like one of my favorite gifts in, in, in like cards I've always gotten with a penny taped to it. Uh, and then recently for Christmas, somebody who had given me something had sent me a message with it attached saying like, what do you get the man that has everything you upgrade what he has? It, it was something along those lines, right? Uh, for like the man who has everything you upgrade what he has. Um, and that is like, that idea is a sentiment of, the, of my theme for the year is like upgrading what I have, elevating the things and that around me, not just the physical manifestation of things, but just experiences and in, in general, the best of the best. I've always been like obsessed with that at some level. Um, I, at this point in my life, I've, I've curated a lot of what I like and I know a lot more about myself, my style, my preferences, and, and I just want to elaborate more on getting the best of those things, right? So it's like asking myself these three factors when it comes to getting, I say things, but I, I generally, it doesn't just mean like, yes, some of it's materialistic, some of it is just in terms of life decisions. Does this thing or decision save me time? Does this thing or decision improve my quality of life? Does this thing or decision save or make me money? As the baseline parameter questions of my year. So when I am buying something, for example, in a store, because I am very much an impulse buyer at times, as much as I like to think I'm not, I'm also in this struggle. This is I'm also a collector of things like video games, like different things where I tend to get and accrue a lot of things. Um, and I think it's okay. I think there's a balance between minimalism, maximalism, uh, in terms of like, if you know what you like and, and you're very focused on the things that, you know, bring you joy and happiness and, and what have you. Um, I think it's okay to have a little bit of mix of like curated stuff that you, that bring you, you know, overall joy. It's the Marie Kondo in me. But like I said, <laughs> when I'm getting things and making those decisions, is it something that's going to save me time? Like if I get this thing, is it just innately going to save me time because I don't have to do this one thing as much or it serves a function in which like I just save so much time during the day. It, it's, it's very much like a business thing. Like we ask ourselves in our business all the time, like does buying the software tool save our technicians X amount of time because they don't have to repeatedly do this task. Is this task something we can automate so that X, Y, Z or manual person or process doesn't have to be done anymore. And it's the same concept when I'm like getting things or experiences. Um, and it could be small things, right? Like, uh, do I get these flights with all these layovers because it's like extremely cheaper or do I just, you know, bite the bullet, pay in a couple hundred extra bucks and just get the direct one? Cause that's going to save me more time. Right? Like the reason at a high level, uh, people fly like not beyond the bouginess and fanciness of it. Um, at some level, the idea of like flying private or planes for like executives, the idea is supposed to be that it saves time. It, it uh, it's a very bad analogy there. It's not the greatest analogy, but overall, again, the decision I'm, I'm saying is it doesn't save me time. 
does it improve my quality of life? That's another big thing I'm asking myself a lot of this year. What are those things like that I can get? I, I love like the curated list about asking either successful or they're in wealthy people. Like what is their favorite purchase under X amount of dollars? Or what is their favorite purchase that has just like changed their life? And sometimes it's $20 things. Sometimes it's a hundred dollar things. Sometimes it is like, yeah, very, very expensive things that they invested in. But I just love that notion of like, kind of Pareto's principle what is this like thing that you got that produces like you maybe spent 20 percent or like what 20 percent accrues for 80 percent of your results and it can be a myriad of things right some people there's things that they buy to improve their quality of sleep they get a really good mattress or a really good pillow or like a, a mattress topper or, or something like that right um they get things that just make their life easier in every aspect and, and that can be a whole variety of things it can be frivolous things like for me a coffee maker right i enjoy my coffee and my caffeine and it's very real ritualistic process to me so investing in a nice espresso machine which i'm about to do like is something that it doesn't make me money in any way right but it i i you can argue it saves you money in some cases uh but it improves my quality of life so sometimes the rules contradict each other like sometimes it's something that saves me time but doesn't necessarily and saves me money but it maybe doesn't improve my <laughs> overall quality of life depending on how you look at it right it could be frivolous it could be a video game console right it improves my happiness at some level but like uh maybe takes away in productivity right so it, it it's not this like flat and, and hard and set rule hard and fast rule it's just more so like do these does it hit some of these categories because like i said the last one is does it save or make me money and that's one that can be again broad it can save me money in terms of if I buy an espresso machine, I, I'll spend less time walking to Blue Bottle and spending X amount on a cup of coffee every day, right? Um, or does it make me money? Is it something that is another thing I think about, um, especially coming from the background I come from? When I started YouTube, a lot of what I did and how I made my like early um, kind of start on YouTube when it came to tech reviews, I, I didn't have money just to buy the latest and greatest thing. So... I would slowly buy things, review them, and then when I started making money remotely off of those videos back in the day, I would then take that money and immediately recycle it back into the business. I'd buy nicer things. I'd buy nicer cameras. I'd buy newer computers, and, and that helped my productivity and increase that, but it also just made me money, right? Like, So those were, like in a sense, I looked at those like as investments for my business. So again, those are the parameters upgrading the year of upgrades upgrading what i have elevating certain things to the best of the best in, in my eyes and, and curating and understanding what i like and getting the best of those things right does it save me time does it improve my quality of life does it save or make me money um are, are the baseline decisions i'm sure i'm gonna buy things that hit on none of those fronts <laughs> like that are just ridiculous and and they don't save me money they just cost me a lot of money um they may improve my quality of life at least momentarily but again I'm, I'm trying to get away from more of those like less timely things it's funny i recently cleaned out my closet and um I, i've spent a fair amount of clothes <laughs> in my lifetime and one thing is funny is like as people often talk about like when you find your sense of style and you're finding your sense of style like i got rid of a lot of like trendy stuff right just like a bunch of fast fashion stuff that i bought when i was younger or even when i moved here to the states because like i had never had brands like zara and h&m and forever 21 before so um there's like something to be said about like quality over quantity right and I'm, and I'm even in like when it comes to wardrobe that that same baseline in my wardrobe i am trying to buy like longer lasting pieces or things that are more timeless right um i love menswear 
I love suits and then something that I personally am just into. And that's something that I always come back to. Cause like to me, like a suit tie or shirt and suit combination, like never gets old, right. Getting, getting timeless things like that. So on and so forth. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think we're nearly an hour in, um, felt therapeutic to just kind of sit here and decompress, recap the trip, talk a little bit about my year and what's to come. But yeah, that, that, that's, that's my theme for the year. That's my, if I don't do another podcast episode for the rest of this year, at least, you know, um, kind of where my goals are in alignment. Uh, a, a lot of stuff I want to kick off this year and, and, and a lot of stuff. Yes. In turn as 28, I do want to kind of get done in my, in my twenties, if so to speak, uh, because, uh, I'm excited for what is, you know, what's to come and, and what's next. I, I think like, um, while a younger me used to think like, shit are like my best times behind me or like are my best accomplishments behind me i'm very much now in a state of my life where it's like oh like i really am just getting started right like now i've had a lot of time and experience which i have to my advantage uh but now i get to like use the wisdom of experience <laughs> and 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 all of that and in age and, and a little bit of that on my side to really kick things off into the next level and i'm excited for that um it's a great trip recently went on very eye-opening it's definitely giving me a little bit of the travel bug and 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 as a good trip does it kind of exposes you to a lot makes you think and uh, makes you think um you know uh, a lot about your life and 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 personal relationships family all that good stuff and and experiences that you learn and you learn more about yourself Uh, and it makes you want to travel more and see more of the world and gather more experiences and that's definitely something i hope to do more of uh in general as well not just this year all right, ladies and gentlemen, that's enough talking for me tonight. I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, I look forward to doing another episode on whatever may be the topic when that episode comes, because I think that was always the point of the show for me. It was just to kind of hit record and transparently break it down for you, whatever's going on in my life. And in this 53 minutes, I hope I've recapped uh, the last year plus and change, more more than a year since the last episode, um, and given you a glimpse into what I hope will be a very successful uh, 2023. And uh, as always, wishing the same to you. Thank you all for your support. Thank you all for your attention, your time. And uh, catch you in the next one.